Turn with me please to uh, 1 Samuel, the second chapter, and then I think we'll be going to Matthew chapter 7, 1 Samuel 2 and Matthew 7. Let's release our faith. Uh, Let's agree together right now in prayer, Father, in Jesus' name. We're asking you for utterance, asking you, uh, Lord, that we may speak as the oracles of God, that you'd speak through us beyond us, and that you'd get all of us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that can receive and discern, that you would uh, give us, Lord, uh, uh, your will and your plan, and that we'd come to know your ways, we ask, not just seeing your acts, but understanding also of your ways and of your character and who you are and how you see things, because your ways are right. Your priorities are right. And we ask to help us to see that, to become more like you and closer to you. And we we ask for it. We believe we receive it. We know it's your will, so we know you hear us, so we know our petitions granted before we finish praying. And we thank you for that. And we purpose to not be hearers only, nor forgetful hearers, but by your grace to be keepers and doers of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everybody said out loud, I am. I am. A doer. A doer. doer. I'm a doer. doer. Of the word of God. God. Praise God. First Samuel, the second chapter, tells the story of the high priest and his family that had gotten away from God. And they were treating the things of God disrespectfully. They were treating the services disrespectfully. They were treating the offerings disrespectfully. And uh, the Lord had had enough of it. He had warned Eli to rein his sons in and, and take care of it and deal with it, but he didn't do it. And in 1 Samuel 2 and 29... Well, I tell you what, let's back up to verse 27. He said, there came a man of God to Eli and he said to him, thus says the Lord, did I plainly appear to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? Did I give to the house of your father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at my offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest your sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Now one of the things that they were doing, there are offerings that were designated for the priests, but then there are other offerings that were not. And they were stealing offerings that didn't belong to them, and they were having physical relations with the the women that were coming. And they were just treating the offerings and the services and the people with contempt and disrespect, like he said. And uh, verse 30, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel said, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, Be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor. 
And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. This is one of the greatest revelations and truths we could ever learn about God and about his things. Is that he will treat you the way you treat his things. Now, I I just know from listening to people and dealing with folks that many, many, many church-going people do not believe that. They don't believe that. You can tell they don't because of the way they act and respond or don't respond. And after 30-some years of ministry now, it's clearer to me than it's ever been that he treats us the way we treat his things. Look at it again and see if that's not what we're talking about. Verse 30. What did the Lord say? For them that honor me, what will he do? I'll honor. But they that despise me, what about them? Are they going to get honored too? No, they won't. They're going to be lightly esteemed, which is another way of saying despised. It's a, it's a, an Actually, an expansion on, on the word. Said out loud, them that honor me, I will honor. They that despise me, shall be lightly esteemed. So will he treat a person, any of us, the way you treat his things? <laughs> so would it behoove us? To treat his things with much respect. Because then that means he's going to deal with your life that way. But if you treat his things as lightly esteemed, unimportant, trivial, insignificant, despising them. Well then that's how your life and your things are going to be treated. There's a lot of people on the planet. Billions. And... God cares about every single one of them. Every single one of us. He cares about us. We and he is aware of every single one. How he keeps up with all of us, I don't know. But he's God. Right? And he can. But everything that everybody is doing on the planet is not important to him. And there's a lot of people that that what they're doing and their life and their priorities and their values is of no value to him. Because his things are of no value to them. And I know we might not like to think about it, but as pertains to the kingdom of God and in what God's doing, There's all kind of people on the planet that if they left right now, you wouldn't miss them. I'm talking about as far as the kingdom of God goes and what God's doing in the earth and his plan because they're giving none of their time or their life or their resources to him. Many of them don't even believe in him. Right? Or they believe in some ridiculous something. Yeah. Praying to a rock. Right? It's, it's, it's sad. It's terrible. That, you know, generations ago, 
their people knew God, but rebelled and left. And now many generations later, uh, all that daddy knew and grandpa and great grandpa knew was this idolatry. And it's hurting the kids. And it's affecting the following generations. But I don't care who you are or where you are. You can look up from any place on the planet and begin to esteem the things of God and value them. And you got his attention. And how many believe you could count on this? I don't care who you are, where you are, where you're from, what you knew or didn't know. If you will begin to honor him, I want you to tell me what will happen after that. You begin to honor him in your life. You could have the most messed up family and marriage and kids and finances that anybody could hear tell of. But if you, in the middle of all that, will begin to honor God, he will begin to honor you. Say it out loud another time, please. Let's read it out loud. What did the Lord say? For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. How's he going to treat you and your things? Exactly how you treat him (laughs) and his things is how you're going to be treated. If his things are of no value and consequence to you, then your life in this earth will basically be of no consequence. No significance. But if his things become more and more precious and valuable to you, then your time and your life and what you're doing becomes more valuable in his eyes. And you will get more help from him. And more assistance from him. And isn't when the Lord's helping you, isn't that him honoring you? I mean, his presence in your life is an honor. Right? And a word to you and a supply to you and a strength to you and direction. And the more your life becomes about what he wants and what he desires, I'm telling you, Phyllis and I are living witnesses of it. He will raise up people to help you. He will raise up money for you. He will raise up equipment. The more his things become important, the more he will treat your time as important and your things as important. And you begin to see it and you begin to realize, man, I got to give myself completely to his things. Now that doesn't mean that you have to quit your job and that everybody has to be a preacher. I'm not talking about that. But if your heart and mind is there, even if you are canning string beans, you can do it to the glory of God, right? <laughs> and you can pray that whoever eats these string beans will be blessed. Will come to the Lord and you can tithe off the money you get paid canning string beans. Come on, are you listening? And then the rest of it becomes blessed. If your first fruits are involved there and your tithes are involved there and, and everything can come back to a kingdom connection. Is it true that you can do what you do? As unto the Lord. And for the glory of the Lord. And honoring him in every part of it. And if you honor him. Without fail. He will honor you. Go to Malachi if you would. Malachi. The first and second chapter sounds very. Similar. To what we read about here in 1 Samuel. 
Same thing had happened in Malachi. And you'll find that, like the scripture says, as priests, so people. Ever how the preachers go, well, that's how the people tend to go too. In a family. I don't care whether it's a natural family or a spiritual family. Everything produces after its own kind. That's right. <laughs> that's what makes parents so upset sometimes. <laughs> they did their best to hide it. And they look up one day and they see the same stuff that they're not right in, in their son or daughter. And it just makes them so mad they could bite a nail into. <laughs> There's only one way not to pass something on. Not two ways. You can't hide it. You can think you've hit it. And it'll. I'm telling you, you'll look up and there it'll be. Because these things are spiritual. There's only one way not to reproduce something. And that's to get it out of you Amen. so that it's not there. That's the only way. And ever how the ministers treat the things of God is going to be reflected in the people they're ministering to. I'm going to realize it's not likely that most of the congregation is going to respect and value the things of God more than their ministers. It's not likely. It's possible, but it's not likely. And so in Malachi, that's what had happened again, is the ministers are not honoring God. And one of the first places it shows up is in the offerings. Yeah. Isn't that what we just read in 1 Samuel? They were talking about offerings. Yeah. And in Malachi, have you read it? Do you know what they're talking about? Yeah. Tithes and offerings. That's one of the first places and more pronounced places it shows up. Because honor has to do with value. If you honor something, it's worth something to you. It's valuable and precious to you. If you despise something, it's not valuable. And it's not worth worthy. We'd probably say it's not worth it. To say it's worthy we don't talk that way as much nowadays. We'd probably say it's worth it instead of saying it's worthy. It's worth it. Well, what is it worth? See, a whole lot of folks don't think it's worth it to even come to a service. They don't think it's worth it to listen to the word or, or read a chapter or prayer. What good would it do? What good would it do? But if you think it's worth it, you'll do it. And if you think it's worth it, you'll pay the price for it. In uh, Malachi, anybody know where Malachi is? Last book in the Old Testament. Verse 6, chapter 1, Malachi 1, 6. He said, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where's my fear or reverence, says the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, that despise my name? And you say, wherein have we despised you? See, a lot of people that are despising the things, they don't call it that. And so if you would say, you're despising these things, they'd go, oh, no, I'm not. No, no, no. And yet, they were. God said they were. And uh, 
when they said, well, when have we despised your name? He said, you offer polluted bread on my altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And you offer the blind for a sacrifice. Is it not evil? And you offer the lame and the sick. Is it not evil? Offer it now to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? I'll accept your person, says the Lord. He said, give it to him. See if he likes it. Why were they giving these things? Because you don't want to waste a good animal on the offering of the Lord. You know, he's he's sick anyway. (laughs) Soon be gone anyway. Lame, diseased. Because that, you know, the good one over there is worth a lot of money. But what... What are they saying by their actions? They're saying these offerings are not worth much. And these services are not worth much. And these the things of God are not worth much. And uh, in verse 9 and 10, he, he says, I pray you, beseech God that he'll be gracious to us. This has been by your means. Will he regard your persons? Verse 10, who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Now, different translations translate that differently, but you can see that the thing's about money. It's about offerings. He's saying you can't get anybody to do anything unless you pay them. Who would do it for nothing? They won't start a fire. They won't shut the doors. You've got to pay somebody. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. Now, um, he's talking about them not valuing his offerings and his things and his services. If you skip down to verse 4, he says the very same thing we read in Samuel. He said, you know that I have sent this commandment to you, chapter 2, that my covenant might be with Levi, said the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared and was afraid before my name. Why, of all the people that were on the planet at that time, did Moses and Aaron get selected? And when it came to who was going to be the priest and the family of the priest, why was it Levi? Why him? It's been just so mysterious to people. They thought, well, there's no way you could tell God has his reasons. It's more obvious than you think. God told us why. Why did Levi get picked? We just got through reading in 1 Samuel. You know, the Lord started by reminding Eli. He said, I chose your forefathers. I let you have this. I let you do this. Why? And now what has disqualified them? With the things of God, those who value it qualify to handle it. Those to whom it is precious are qualified to be a part of it. And as long as you value it and treasure it and honor it, then you qualify. But when you stop appreciating it and you stop valuing it and you stop treasuring it, you're in danger of losing it or of being removed. 
because you no longer qualify. Those that honor me, I will honor. Those that despise me will be lightly esteemed. Why was Levi given the privilege that he and his family would be the priest? He said, I gave it to him for the fear wherewith he feared me. The reverence, the respect. If you could have met Levi before he became the first priest of God in this priesthood that was handed down, the family, head of the family of priests, you would have been impressed by how reverential he was about God and his things. He treasured them. This was before he was priest. I said, this is before. Somebody say before. It's why one of the, of course, God knew him before he was born and God knew he'd be like that. And it was his plan. But it's one of the big reasons why God himself said, this is why. He gave him this honor and this place and this privilege. Because of how he reverenced God and how he reverenced his things. Can you say amen? amen? In the NIV, he says, my covenant was with him. This is Malachi 2.5, a covenant of life and peace. I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. He revered me and stood in awe of my name, and that's who wound up getting to do the things in the uh, tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies. Well, how many think it's understandable you wouldn't want to give that to somebody who didn't care? Right. Right. Well, okay, I'll go in there, sure. I'll, yeah, just light the little candles and come out. <laughs> we just go in, sprinkle the blood, come out. Sure, I can do that, no problem. That's not who God gives it to. I said, that's not who God gives it to. And it's always been this way in different parts of the world, the ungodly world. But you can see it today. There is this irreverence, this disrespect everywhere. It permeates the world. And it undermines people's qualifying to enjoy some things of God. Because who's he going to give it to? Who's going to get to have a part in his precious things, his holy things? Who's going to get to have a part? It's going to be those who treasure it, who value it, who esteem it highly, who are willing to, to pay a big price or sacrifice much and be glad to do it, to be a part. That's who gets it. And what you see is even though Levi and his family started out that way, over a period of time, they lost it, didn't they? And it became old hat. And go through the motions and pull this lever and push this button and, okay, all right, I got to do it again. Who's going to go over there and offer these sacrifices? I did it yesterday. 
Now I'm not just making this up. He said in Malachi 1.13. Malachi 1.13. He said you said behold. What a weariness is it. And you snuffed at it. Said the Lord of hosts. And you brought what was torn and lame and sick. That's why they were doing this. You got a good animal? No. I just take that sick one. We got to do it again tomorrow anyway. You know. Whatever. No big deal. Do you hear this language? The world's full of it. And anytime the world's full of something, the church has to beware lest they're contaminated by it. Lest it gets on you. That thinking and that mentality can defile you. Which is one reason we need to have church. And come take a word shower. (laughs) And shower this disrespect and irreverence off of us and and stir ourselves up in pure desire that we love God. And His things are precious to us. His Word is precious to us. His Spirit is precious to us. His church, His people, His things are of great value in our eyes. We're willing to go to great lengths and pay a great price and sacrifice much and be glad to do it. True or not? Well, it's obviously not true with everybody. It's not true with all God's people. It wasn't true with these guys. But that's when the Lord said, he had said concerning Levi and his family, they'd continue before me forever. But he said, but not so, because if you don't honor me, I'm not going to honor you. If you despise me, you're going to be despised. Now notice, you see this in Malachi 2, in verse 5, when he said, I gave this to him for the reverence that he had before me. And then in verse 8, he said, you've departed out of the way. You've caused many to stumble. You've corrupted the covenant of Levi, said the Lord of hosts. Now notice what's going to happen to him. Verse 9, therefore, I've also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as you've not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. What's he saying to them? They've treated his things with disrespect and contempt. Now, how are people going to see them now? They're going to be treated with contempt and disrespect. Friends, this is a law. (laughs) This is how it works. If you respect his things, you're going to be respected. If you honor his things, you're going to be honored. And if you don't, you're not going to be. You're not going to be. Go to Matthew, please. I tell you what, let me give you another example of this while we're here in the Old Testament. Go to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. I want this reinforced. The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I know this is sobering thinking, but it's also exciting thinking. It's only bad news if you plan on being disrespectful. <laughs> right? It's great news if you're going to be reverential and esteem God things the highest. That's great news to you, right? <laughs> it's like people say, oh, you're going you're gonna to reap what you sow. Well, you should shout yeah. if you've been sowing good stuff, right? 
2 Samuel 6 and verse 16. The Bible says that when uh, David came bringing the Ark of the Covenant back home, so to speak, as it came into the city, David was dancing. I mean, he was he was busting a move. I mean, he <laughs> uh, he, he was really getting after it. And uh, he didn't have his royal clothes on, and I guess he was sparsely dressed. And and uh, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. Now, first of all, let's stop right here. What's she doing up there in the house? <laughs> this is a big celebration. The whole town is out. Everybody's out in the street celebrating. And what's she doing up there, Miss Snooty? This is how you get in trouble too. All this is beneath you. See what she's doing. You're going to see what she's doing from the rest of the verse. But what is she doing already? Is she valuing what's going on? She's not. She's not even there. See what a lot of folks haven't realized. They have despised the thing of the Lord. Simply by not showing up. They have despised it. Why? Well, if it was valuable enough, you'd have got your little self out and got ready and got there. But by not even going to the effort, not even showing up, not even being available, then you basically you're saying, nah, that's no big deal. Take it, leave it. You despised it. She's looking through the window and she saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she did what? She despised him in her heart. Now, it didn't say she said anything. She did it where? In her heart. If you'd have seen her face looking out the window, you might have could have read between the lines. She does not approve. He's not acting kingly. He's dancing down there in the street like a common fool. But she's revealing something negative about herself. If you cared about God, if you cared about His things, this is the Ark of the Covenant. It's been gone. It's been in the wrong place. It houses the Shekinah glory, the presence of God, the Almighty who created the heavens and the earth. And David and everybody with him is just delirious with joy and excitement. And they are having a high hallelujah time. Dancing in the streets. Literally. The party is on. And she's up in the house looking down her nose. Looking down on them and despised the whole thing. Now, here's what she didn't realize. She thinks she just doesn't respect David today. And what she's doing is despising God. 
Verse 20, when David returned to bless his household. Now what's he coming to do? Bless them. If you read the whole thing, he's been sending everybody food and drink. And he didn't want to leave his own house out. Michael, the daughter of Saul, came to meet David. And she just couldn't hold it in. How many can hear the sarcasm in this? How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servant as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Now, I don't know if he was actually naked or too naked or he just didn't have his king's robes on. I don't know what it was, but I think it's obvious that he wasn't purposely trying to streak he wasn't purposely if anything he just got carried away and forgot that he wasn't dressed maybe a certain way I don't know I don't know but how many think his heart was right his heart was right and did you know you can make a lot of natural mistakes but the Lord is always looking at your heart And you can think you got the details so perfect and yet your heart be so wrong. Judgmental, critical, bitter. No matter how technically right you are, God sees a wrong heart if you're that way. You particularly can identify this when people are yelling with animosity, I'm right! (laughs) You can be pretty sure, no, you're wrong in the heart. Even if you're technically right, you're wrong in the heart. And that's bigger with God than being technically right. And so she told him off. Is she showing honor to God? Showing honor to her husband? To the ark? To the day? No honor Anywhere, And you see that, you know why she's disrespectful to David? Because she's disrespectful to God. The two go hand in hand. A lot of times people like to imagine, oh no, no, I never disrespect God, but they tell people off and let the, no, the two go together. If you really honor God, you will honor people. If you never honor people, you don't honor God. And you know what the Bible says, verse 21? David apologized profusely. That I'm sorry, dear. I didn't realize it. I'm so ashamed. Huh? No, I didn't. He said, let me remind you. God chose me to be king instead of your daddy. That's why I'm here. He appointed me ruler over all the people. I know who brought me here. I know who put me here. And I know whose ark this is. And I know what day this is. And so I'm going to shout. And I'm going to dance. And if I make a wrong move, sorry, but I'm going to dance and I'm going to shout. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to give glory to God. But I'm going to give honor to God. Come on, can you hear this? Can you see what his heart, his heart is to honor God? To show how valuable this is. She's doing just the opposite. Verse 22. I will be yet more vile than thus. If that's what it takes. (laughs) And I'll be base in my own eyes. 
See, that was the problem. He wasn't concerned about making a big show about being the king that day. He didn't care about being the king that day. The ark's back in town. Right? (laughs) He forgot about being king. And of these maid servants that you're talking about, of them shall I be had in honor. They will respect me. Ned and this say it. She's trying to make this about the honor of the king. And the truth is, those people that she's so concerned about seeing him act unkingly, they do actually respect him. And in his own house, his wife does not. So it's hypocrisy on her part. She's not really concerned about his honor and respect in the office of the king. Verse 23, I want you to notice this. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death, which is probably, especially in her day and in the king's family and in order to produce an heir and a name, probably the greatest dishonor and disrespect you could have. Come on, can you see this? Why is verse 23 after verse 22? Why? Why mention that now and here? Because if you honor him, he will honor you. And if you despise him, you're going to be despised. You're going to be despised. Somebody said out loud, Lord, help me to never do this. To never disrespect you. But to honor you always. Remind me. Open my eyes. Arrest my mouth. And my heart and mind. Lest I speak. Disrespectfully. Ask it in Jesus name. Amen. You believe he heard that? You believe he'll help you? He will. He will. Go to Matthew, please, now. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7 and verse 6. Jesus said, Give not that which is holy to the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. What does that mean? Why shouldn't you give pearls to pigs? If you meet a guy, he's crying, he's upset. You say, what's wrong? He says, I bought this beautiful $30,000 string of pearls. And I gave it to my pig. And he just stomped them in the mud and broke them up. And I can't even find part of them. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? What would you say to such a person? What would you say? Why would you do that? Why would you give that? Why? Because you should know that pig doesn't know nor care about the difference between a pearl and a pebble. Right? No difference to him. And so you're a fool if you give the pearls to the pig. You're foolish. Because you should know not to give precious things to one that doesn't value it. We need to know this in life. We need to know this in dealing with our relatives. He's not just talking about pigs and dogs. He's not just calling people names. He's talking about a principle. Isn't he? 
If people are mocking the things of God, if they're speaking disrespectfully and even blasphemously, are you supposed to try to open your heart and share the treasures that God's given you with them? No, you're not. I said, no, you're not. No, you're not. Because like this, they'll just trample them under their feet. They'll just stomp on them. The further I go in ministry, I I see this more and more. There's been a few places, thank the Lord, not many, that I've been, you know, I've been all over the country and all over the world preaching and teaching the last 30 years. And there's a few places I've been that I was there for days and couldn't get out what I had on the inside. You might say, why why didn't you, did you know what to do? I said, yeah. Why didn't you just spit it out? Because of this. I could tell you'd get to a certain point. And the people just shut down. And they just glare at you. Why don't you just say it anyway? Unless the Lord specifically tells you to and anoints you to, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. And then there's other places I've been. Thank God our own churches are this way too. That I'm learning while I'm preaching. Things are coming out that I hadn't thought of. Is this precious or not? When the Lord gives you light, He gives you revelation, He gives you answers. When He does, and it's anointed, you know enough to know that's not me. Don't you? I couldn't come up with that. I couldn't fabricate that. I can't say something that hits your spirit with force and enlightens your heart and mind, and you go, glory to God. That's it. When that happens, you know it wasn't Keith. It wasn't Keith, it wasn't Phyllis, it wasn't us. It was it might have been through us, but it wasn't from us. It's beyond us. His words are words that quicken, make full of life, that enlighten, and they're precious. Oh, somebody say precious. They're precious. They're precious. You know, we, we mentioned this uh, Sunday, but the whole 119th Psalm, if you've never read it, you ought to go through it and read. Actually, in our Bible reading now, we're going to start on the Old Testament. A lot of people neglect the Old Testament. It's a big mistake. The writers of the New Testament assume you know the Old. <laughs> if you've ever read it enough, you know that. They're all continually referring to things that you're supposed to know. And so it'll take us a while. It's broken up. It'll take us uh, more than a year, you know, to get through this. And, and it'll be good. And then we'll be ready again to go through. We go through the New Testament more than once. And then we'll go back to the old. But it'll feed your spirit. So please don't neglect it. And uh, a lot of people have never read the Bible all the way through. And when we get through with this, you will have. And it, it, you won't have to do it all in a week or two or a month or two. It'll be easy. One chapter at a time. In Psalm 119, 127, you don't have to turn there, but he says, I I love your commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. I esteem all your precepts concerning all things to be right. Verse 129, your testimonies are wonderful. Do you feel that way? Psalm 139, 17 says, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Would you say that? How precious are your thoughts to me, O God? Are they worth something to you? 
Are they valuable to you? Matthew 10. In verse 13. Jesus is telling his disciples. About what to do when they travel. When they come to a place. They said when you come to a place. Back up to verse 12. He said when you come into a house. Salute it. Keep going. And if the house be worthy. Let your peace come on it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. What does that mean? Well, when you come to a place, you're going to stay in a house. What they're talking about, you're going to stay in a house for a day or a night or a few days while you're in town having a meeting. And these people have received you to house you, to feed you. Then you speak peace and blessing over that house. You say peace and blessing be on you. And it'll come on them if. It won't just come automatically. And it doesn't just come across the board. It'll come on them if what? If the house be worthy. What does that mean? Well, take the Y off. Worth. We're talking about honor. We're talking about value. If the people in the house value what you said. If they value the peace of God and the blessing of God, if they count it worth a lot, it'll come on them. If they don't, it won't. And it won't leave you. It'll come back on you. It'll stay on you. It won't come on them. If they roll their eyes, (laughs) if you say, peace be on you. Blessing on you. Be blessed in the name of the Lord. And they go, whatever. <laughs> then it won't come on them. I said it won't come on them because they don't respect it. They're mocking it. They're making fun of it. And, and I realize there's a lot of people, preachers included, that do goofy things. That's not God. But it doesn't do away with the real. Doesn't do away with the real. And uh, he went on to say in verse uh, 14, And whoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. What does that mean? What did they do? They didn't receive it. Well, in not receiving it, did they despise it? They rejected it, and they despised it. And so he said, when you leave, you go, look, we brought it to you. And it was precious. And you didn't want it. So it's on you. It's on your own head. Now, I know that's sobering. And a lot of folk don't like to think that way. But it is that way. And it's happening all over the earth. That the word is coming to people and light is coming to people. And millions, sadly, are just casting it aside, ignoring it, acting like it's nothing. I know uh, some years ago, uh, actually just this particular thing, just a couple of years ago, I was recounting, thanking God for all the opportunity Phyllis and I have had to be around the Word and to be, in my opinion, around some of the greatest people of God. To know some of them personally. To be in their company. To fellowship with some of them. I was just thanking God because, you know, who am I? 
little country boy from Mississippi. Me and Phyllis didn't know anybody. And, and we have been privy to what I consider some great things of God. And, and some of the meetings we've been in. And the anointings. And the move of the Spirit. And the Word. The level of anointing and revelation. Just amazing. And if we added them all up, I reckon thousands of outstanding messages. And hundreds of amazing places and services and meetings. And in thinking about it, I begin to think, well, you know, there's people on the planet had never heard one good faith message. Not a one. There's people on the planet never heard one healing message. How to walk in faith, how to be led by the Spirit. Not a one. And I thought, Lord, how is it that we have heard so much and their people hadn't heard a one? I thought, I said, Lord, how, how is that? What's going on there? And a little later, he spoke to me. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me very distinctly. And he brought something back, the, some of the very first tapes that Phyllis and I heard back when we were living in that little mobile home in Mississippi been married for a year young and as green as could be and, and we got a hold of some tapes by Kenneth and Gloria Copeland and Jerry Savelle and Kenneth Hagin and Charles Capps and some of those guys and man it went off in us like a like a Roman candle. We got so excited. Every night after work. We'd come listen to those tapes. And well you're naturally you're so excited. about. It. We found out we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. I hadn't got over it yet. We found out. God actually wanted you to have something. You didn't have to be broken poor your whole life. He wanted you to have some, Not just your basic needs. But some nice things you could enjoy. Well, first, I first saw that, I thought, that's, that's not too good to be true. But it's not too good to be true. It's true and too good. Too good for the devil. Too good for religious people. But not too good for us to believe, right? And uh, I remember, the Lord brought it back through my mind. Just, just real quick, all this was replayed with me. Well, you get something that good, you want to share it with your friends. And so we took, we, I, t- I remember one of the, a little set of tapes. I think it was four tapes and a little thing. I took it to some friends of mine. I said, you got to hear this. you got to hear this now. Uh, tell me what you're thinking. And so uh, I saw them a few days later. I said, what about it? Well, I hadn't had time to listen to it. I said, man, take time. Take time. Make time. And, and I saw them a couple of weeks later. Well, what about it? Well, I, I listened to, you know, part of a tape. What about it? Well, I, you know, I, what are y'all listening to preaching on tapes for? That was a foreign concept then, back then, and there. And I said, man, did you hear what he's saying about being redeemed from the curse of the law? Yeah. What does he mean by all that? I thought, well, man, listen to the rest of the tape. Find out. You know, get, and and they wouldn't even listen to the, the series. They were, And I saw there's no need taking them anymore. They, mm-hmm. they, yeah. they don't want it. And the Lord reminded me, now this was... Uh, you know, 25 years after that, that the Lord's talking to me about this. And uh, he, he helped me to see they haven't moved in the last 30 years spiritually. Mm-hmm. 
from where they were. They still believe in Jesus, believe in heaven and hell, believe in salvation, but they haven't moved and grown as far as finding the plan of God and and progressing on. And the Lord answered my question. I asked him, why is it that we've heard so much? He said, I knew you would value it. I knew you would value it. And because we valued it, what happened? He gave us more. Can you see that? And we valued it and he gave us more. And he gave us more. And he valued it and he gave us more. They had a little bit and they didn't value it. And never got any more. I'm sure they had other opportunities, but they didn't want it. Can you see this? I know when I was there at Ramah, first I'd been there like a couple of months. And uh, Brother Hagen in healing school announced that they're going to build and open up a prayer and healing center where people could come. When he was a boy, nobody would help him in faith and healing. The couple of preachers that did come by discouraged him. Patted his hand and said, just be patient, my boy. In a few more days, it'll all be over. That was the best comfort they had. And he was trying to ask them, is it true that if you believe you receive them, you can have them? Talking about Mark eleven twenty four, And he got no help at all. He, as he said, I had to stand alone. Well, he wanted to have a place where people could come get help. And so they built the prayer and healing center. And he announced, we're going to open this in the... Uh, Spring here of 1982, and uh, this was 81, and uh, we're going to have, we're going to train some people, divine healing technicians, he called them, <laughs> to minister to people in the area of, of ministering and receiving healing. When he said that, again, like a Roman candle, when I, I thought, oh, glory to God, <laughs> glory to God, divine healing technician. Oh, sign me up. And I I thought that would be so glorious. That would be so amazing. Wouldn't that be so amazing? So amazing. And I looked around and there were hundreds of people all over the place. And I thought, well, everybody would feel the same way, I'm sure. And who am I? And I guess probably all these people would want to do that. Well, when the spring came, two people were selected. And I was one of them. Oh, glory to God. I was one of them. And I got to be a part of it for the next many years and got to have more and more and more involvement in it. But then some 20 years later, that came up to me again. The Lord reminded me of that. When I turned around and looked and thought, and I thought, well, everybody would want. He said, everybody didn't feel that way. Now, yeah, that was part of my call. And part of the plan for, for my life. But it also, just like Levi, why him? Come on, can y'all see this? Why him? What's God looking at all the time? What's he looking at? And see, that's what's confusing to a lot of people. Because they'll see people that get to be a part of something. And they'll think, well, I'm twice as talented as they are. So? <laughs> Is that what it's based on? Look at them. They stumble around. I'm obvious the better choice. God looks at the heart. And if you think it's owed to you, you don't value it. 
You're not going to be thankful for something you don't esteem highly. Can you see this, friends? And who's God going to give it to? Don't give your pearls to swine. Who's he going to give it to? The people, not just empty talk, not just rhetoric. The people that really, in their heart, they treasure it. They value it. And God can see right through all the exterior. And he sees that. And he knows who really treasures it and who doesn't. And they'll be the ones that get picked and get to be a part of something. Even if they are not everything you would pick after the natural. And they might come short in a lot of that. That's what makes people scratch their head and go, well, you had these people. Why didn't you pick them? He looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. In Matthew 13 and 44. Matthew 13 and 44. He said, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. Somebody say treasure. Treasure. That which when a man has found, he hides. And for what? For joy thereof goes and sells all that he has. And does what? Buys that field. And the next verse says, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. Who when he had found one pearl of great price. What did he do? He went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Now back up. What was it to verse uh, 44? The man found it and he hid the treasure. and, And get this phrase. And for joy thereof. So are these men sad because they're having to spend so much money to get this? No. No. And I've got an answer I'm so thankful for. So a thing that had troubled me over the past few years about some situations. I've had people tell me it's just too, it's too hard. It's too great a price. To do this thing that, you know, that ministry requires or this requires. And I just shake my head and, and leave thinking, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. And, and I realize clearer than ever, it's not that the price is too high. It's that it's not valuable enough to them. Can you see this, friend? This is an answer. I'm so thankful to the Lord for helping me because I I was troubled over some things about it. But I see it clearly now. When people say, that's just too high a price to pay. No, it's just not valuable enough to you. It don't mean enough to you because if it means enough to you, there is no price too high to pay. The only reason you think the price is so high is because you don't value it enough. It's not worth as much to you as it should be. Phyllis and I went just this week right here in Sarasota. We went out to a, a restaurant and they had some tables outside. We were outside eating. And this man and woman drive up in this amazing brand new sports car. 
I mean, they parked it right in front of us. You know, we're outside. And they got out. And, you know, I'm a little bit of a car guy. I don't keep up with all of it. But I know a fast car when I see one. And I knew this is this is very fast. And I didn't know what it was. I had to look it up. Finally, Phyllis said, what is that? And I know she was shocked when I said, I don't know. But eventually I made out on the back. It said McLaren. And I knew enough to know McLaren means major sports car. And I didn't even know one existed, but I found out later, I had to look it up, is a P1. I know that don't mean anything to a lot of people, but it's a million and a half dollar car. 1.5 million. <laughs> and it's about this big. I mean, it's, it's a little bitty thing. It's actually a hybrid. It's a combination electric, you know, like a, what, a Prius, I guess. Well, are, are they hybrids? Okay, what are y'all laughing about? <laughs> now, when you say that, and, and this, as we were leaving, of course, I wanted to see it. So I'm walking around it, looking at it, and, uh, you know, thinking, wow, you know, that's, you can see it's an amazing machine. And this lady came out that I never met. She's getting out of the car, her and her husband going to the restaurant. She said, what is that? I said, it's a McLaren, like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> Well, it had it spelled on the back. It said McLaren right there. <laughs> and somebody, I had recently been informed that it was a $1.5 million car. I just found that out. And so she asked me, which I looked up later and verified it. It, it is. And so she asked me, well, how much does that cost? And I said, well, they said $1.5 million. She said, no. <laughs> what? What? 1.5 million. You got to be kidding. I said, I think that's right. She about fell over. <laughs> and you'd hear people say, that's ridiculous. And you hear some religious people say, that makes me sick. <laughs> that just disgusts me. <laughs> what I could do with that money. <laughs> You're coveting their money. You're the one with the heart problem. They, they should help the poor. How do you know what they have done or haven't done? And how much should they do before it pleased you that they could have a nice car? And what is it to you anyhow? To the, there's so much religious junk that goes on with this. You don't want to get into that. But a lot of people would say, there is no way, no way, no way any little car is worth $1.5 million. And you're absolutely wrong. Because to the person that paid $1.5 million, it was worth it to them. You can't say it wasn't worth it. Maybe it's not worth it to you. But it was worth it to them. In fact, there's only 375 of them made. So, I imagine somebody wrote that $1.5 million check and rejoiced over it. Was actually happy. There are a lot of ancient brittle canvases that have little paint smudges on them. 
that it would take a trained person to even know what you're supposed to see when you're looking at it. And folks pay millions of dollars for those, right? I'm, am I right? And sculptures and whatever. And you might say, there's no way that's worth five million dollars. Well, you're wrong if somebody paid five million dollars for it. That's beyond debate. Because to whoever paid it, it was worth it to them. And it wasn't too high a price to pay. Because to them, the thing was worth more. Then they weren't crying, wringing their hands, going, I'm losing my money. I'm losing my money. 1.5 million is too much. Now, if they felt that way, they'd have never done it. So it's not that the price is too high. It's that, that the person looking doesn't value it that much. And when somebody says it's just, it, it's too, it's too much for me to be involved in that or, do that in the church or give that or do this or I just don't have time for that. It's not that the price is too high. It's that you don't value it enough. And here's something that you and I never want to happen to us. What happened to Judas? How did Judas become Judas? Because there was a time when Judas was over the moon, if you will, about being selected to be one of the twelve. Is that right? And who picked him? Jesus himself. And of all the people he could have picked, had to be that there was a time when Judas thought Jesus was the most amazing man he had ever seen or heard or been around in his life, that the words that were coming out of his mouth, that the healings, that the miracles was the most amazing experience he had ever imagined. Had to be. Had to be. And then somewhere that changed. And he didn't see Jesus as important as he once did. And the things he was preaching as significant as he once did. And the healings and the miracles. He had to over a period of time become hardened to it. Where in the end he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Fulfilling a prophecy that that's how pitifully he was valued. That's all he was worth. To him and the people that he represented. We never want that to happen to us. We don't want to get so over familiar. With people after the flesh. That we forget the gifts and the calls. And the anointings. And the God joinings. Do we? We must stir ourselves up. To be respectful. Right? And to treasure. And to value. And to thank our God. every Don't have to go to church. Get to go to church. Don't have to minister. Get to minister. Don't have to give. Get to give. Don't have to serve. Get to serve. Get to. Get to. And when it's valuable enough, no price is too high. You'll part with 1.5. You'll part with your whole day. Come on, are y'all listening? You'll part. You'll sacrifice a hobby or a recreation. No price is too high because this is so precious. You have found the pearl of great price. 
You have found the treasure above all others. And you'll not just pay. You will gladly pay what others wouldn't even consider paying. And they'll look at you and go, I can't believe you paid that for that. And you'll be like my grandpa. He, he, I started to say loved his coffee and he'd probably say that. I'd say enjoyed, but he, he loved it. And, uh, they went up on coffee and they went up again. Then they went up again. Oh, he griped. Oh, he, he complained. How in the world could they charge so much for a pound of coffee? I heard him come in one day and he, I could hear him griping about it before he got to the door and, and he came, I was, I was at their house and yeah, I was just a boy and, and he came in and, and he went to the back of the stove and made him some of his high priced coffee that he just bought. And, and of course they just, the coffee pot was cowboy coffee, nothing in the pot, just water and coffee and boil it and spoon would stand up in it, you know. And then, <laughs> I never started drinking coffee as a boy because it was just so terrible. <laughs> it was, if I'd had normal coffee, maybe I would have. But uh, my dad, same way. And so he came and he sat down with that cup of mud that he had. And, and he took a big swig of it, scalding hot and, and thick as could be. And, and he said, oh, I tell you what, sonny boy, it'd be a bargain at twice the price. <laughs> After all that, why? Because he found the coffee very valuable. Is that right? Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Just stand up and close your eyes. Pray this prayer out loud with me. Father God, forgive us. Forgive me for treating lightly or without proper respect any of your things or your people, your words, your ministers, your church. Open my eyes. I want your priorities to be my priorities. Teach me. Help me to see what's valuable to you. What's precious to you. And I declare that is what will be precious to me too. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.